Hey guys, I have awesome news. My book, Synetic Wolf, is finally coming out. March 26th, this Thursday, you guys can grab Synetic Wolf for the first two days completely free on Amazon at mattwardwrites.com slash free. I've been working on this book for a really long time, and I'm super excited to hear what you guys think. This is a big step out there for me, and I can't wait to hear what you guys think. I'm working on putting together an audiobook version with Audible, and I've got a special for you guys narrated by my awesome narrator, Aaron Miller. But before we jump into the book, here's the back cover copy, just so you know and have a little more context on the story. It's 2096, 60 years after 90% of the world's died from a man-made bioplague. Humanity splintered into four unequal subspecies, immortals, cyborgs, enhancers, and the subservient half-human, half-animal hybrids, i.e. animotes. The world's anything but equal. Hybrids everywhere are suffering. But 16-year-old Rake McCorian, a wolfish with a nose for trouble, doesn't see any alternative. Except the resistance, who don't stand a chance against the world government. His mom always said, keep your head down. And he does. Until his sister's murdered by a pair of cyborgs. Overnight, his simple life is shattered, fracturing the rigid governmental caste as he's thrust into the dangerous world of superhuman hit squads, resistance uprisings, and secrets better left unsaid. With only built-in blasters and the advice of a mysterious professor, Rake must navigate crushing betrayal, self-doubt, and a limitless enemy whose evil knows no bounds. The fate of mankind may rest in his hands. Dun-dun-dun-dun. Guys, I would be so excited if you would check this out. It would be incredibly helpful for me as an indie author, someone who's been working on this. Amazon reviews, Amazon downloads, sales, that's the lifeblood of publishing today. If you guys love the podcast, if you're interested in my thoughts on the future and in whether or not I can actually write, go to mattwardwrites.com slash free. Again, the book is going live March 26th, and for the first two days, you guys will be able to pick up that book completely free. After that, it'll be $2.99. There's a paperback version as well, and I'm working on having the audiobook done as we speak. Speaking of, I've got the first two chapters lined up for you guys here, a special exclusive promo I worked out with Audible. And if you're interested in other upcoming books I've got coming out and making sure that you get updates, emails, and free offers when I'm looking for beta readers, go to mattwardwrites.com and enter your email. But now, without further ado, I give you my book. Feels pretty cool to say that. Thanks, guys. Hope you enjoy. Chapter 1, Claws, 2096. I sprang onto the picket fence, gauging the trajectory like those old American baseball hollows we'd seen in school, back before the Empire and its pastime collapsed, of course. The pungent smell of the Connold's dog hit me, but he wasn't anywhere in their big yard. Must be in their two-story mansion. What did a dog do all day? Despite being wolfish and an unusually wild animote at that, I hadn't the slightest idea. Actually, domestic pets at all was weird, but the Connolds were good people, I guess. I dove for the ball but came up shy as it clattered to the ground alongside Mr. C's rusty e-bike. He had let me ride it once. It'd be nice to not have to walk everywhere, but would take Mom months at the center to afford something like that. At least we didn't hit it or break a window again. My spine tingled as I reached for the ball. There was a faint crunch. Bruce appeared from around back, staring me down, the 50-kilo mutt burying his teeth as he crouched. Jeez! I took a step back, unsure how to react. 
It was always strange between us half-human animals and animals. Was it jealousy? My claw shot out as I stood taller to scare the dog off. The wind turned and a whiff of flowers and feces hit me. Bruce froze and time slowed. Without warning, he dropped his shoulder and charged, muscled body bounding towards me as he built up to killing speed, his uncomplicated eyes burning with primal anger. Crap! I ran for the fence. I was fast, he was faster. At the last second, I spun and snarled, flashing my fangs. He skidded to a stop, whimpering, and slammed through the white fence, bolting down the dirt road. Shoot! Should I follow? I might make things worse. I ran to Mr. C's porch and hammered on the painted door. Nothing. The window didn't help. Only my disheveled reflection. Bags under dark silver eyes and even my hair, short with flecks of silver, black and brown, looked messy. Forgot to shade, too. Dark stubble covered my pointed cheeks and chin. Oh well, Mr. C wouldn't mind. Another knock? No luck. Now what? Pavel! Taurus! I yelled. They must have taken off when the dog appeared. Crap! Tapping my wristband, I opened a virtual screen, fingers flying through the air as I fired a quick message to Mr. C, explaining what happened. I headed in the direction Bruce had run, but stopped. After what happened to Ms. Ivy's, I knew I should grab Mom. She'd have a fit otherwise. I sprinted home. Three minutes later, our two-room hovel came into sight. The door was ajar. Good old Ellie at the kitchen table, calling Vovi from the sound of it. Ellie's blue eyes focused on two glimmering holographic screens floating in front of her. Mom was out back, bent over her newest pet project. A tangle of sweet potatoes along the 3D printed wall. Her jet black hair was in a bun, furry arms sweating. Being wolfish, we didn't eat many vegetables. But it's cheaper if you grow it, as she liked to say. Unless you lived in the cities. But for bottom dwellers like us, that would never happen. I told her everything. She dropped the roots and whipped around, brown eyes thrashing me as mine sought cover in the dirt beneath my feet. Not again. It wasn't my fault, I said before she got going. She stood, her eyes blistering. <sighs> it's never your fault. After getting the facts straight, we headed out. It was a chilly autumn day, but a beautiful one. Colorful leaves dancing in the wind. Mom took a deep, calming breath, looking around our well-kept little yard as mist rose from her lips. Did Raj see what happened before you left? I hope you didn't leave a mess and not say anything. Rake McCorian, that's not how I... No, I tried, I cut in. I explained everything again, which seemed to placate her. Somewhat. Dread built as we walked the dusty road, past sporadic huts and shacks. A handful of furry neighbors were out enjoying the weather or on video calls as they gardened or gossiped, but we hurried past. Mom was on a mission, which was never good. As we got closer, Mr. C's slimy wet musk assaulted my extra sharp nose. He must be back. I should have waited. Mom's expression darkened with each passing meter as she ran calloused hands through her sweaty hair. Not a good sign. Mr. C appeared, his pale green tinted skin scales standing out against the backdrop of an enormous two-bedroom house. 
He was tall and bald, with emerald eyes, a pointed nose, and his signature ultra-warm red jacket. Mom put on her best smile. Raj, I'm really sorry. Whatever the boy's done, I'll make it right. I know, Preda. You wolfish are always good about honor, he replied. I got your message, Rake. What happened? Both adults turned to me, and I fidgeted. We were all playing down the street, I pointed for effect. I'd been through this enough to know details and sincerity went a long way. I didn't mean to scare him or hurt him. I swear, dogs don't do well with our kind. We all shared a knowing look. It happened all the time with us animotes, descendants of those ill-advised initial genetic experiments, and unenhanced animals. It was innocent at first, a gene here, a mutation there, but it was never enough. You'd think reptilian genes for regeneration or canine ones for metabolism would only help, right? Talk about unintended consequences. Eventually, there were dozens of types of animotes, and the ish thing stuck. Hence, wolfish. Mr. C pulled up a virtual screen with several areas highlighted and pushed it to my school-issued wristband. Bruce has run away before. I'm sure Rake will find him, he patted me on the shoulder. Be glad you're not a cold-blooded old fart like me. It's going to be cold tonight. That would suck, I turned to leave. Don't make me regret this, Rake McCorian, Mom yelled before I'd gone far. Yes, Mom, I answered without looking back, rolling my eyes. She always had to have the last word. I'm sorry, she said as I took off. Kids, you know. Don't be too hard on the boy. Remember the things we used to... By the time I reached the crumbling mass graves at the edge of town, about 200 meters out and not a place to dilly-dally, my sharp ears could no longer hear what they were saying. Odd. Must be windier than usual. Skirting the creepy memorial, I shivered. Avoiding the place like, well, like the plague it once was before it changed everything. Where was he? It's been almost an hour. Crash! Something was out there in the murky forest. The fur on the back of my arms and neck shot up, an electric shock stabbing my spine. My heart raced and the wolf in me smelled blood, feces, and foul, too. I found Bruce. What was left of him, that is. The moon casting an eerie glow on his limp body. Insects stirred and wings fluttered as I crept into the clearing. It was surrounded by billowing pines and hefty oaks, making it near impossible to see into the wood or distinguish much beyond the sappy butterscotch of the trees. The dog's scruffy hind leg was broken and missing from the joint down. Warm blood dripped from the wound. Ugh! I knelt next to him, but his side wasn't much better. Gashes several centimeters deep ran the length of his torso. Sticky blood matted his fur. Was that bone? Jeez! What did this? The claws were sharp and narrow. Wicked long, too. Wait, there were six of them. Six? No way. I've never seen the six-clawed beast before. No one had, as far as I knew. I only heard tell. This definitely was experimental. Holy crap! My chest thundered. It wasn't safe here, but the dog's pulse, 
If Bruce was alive, I'd have to save him. At least try. It was my fault he'd escaped. I retracted my claws as far as they'd go and put my fingers under his jaw, holding my breath. Come on, Bruce, come on. No pulse. Nothing. Pressing harder and harder, my fingers went numb, desperate to find a pulse. Damn it, Bruce! My claws scraped his clammy skin as his body cooled. Standing, my knees buckled, body shaking. I hadn't realized how scared I was or how dark it had gotten. Without wolfish eyes, I wouldn't have been able to see anything. Even so, everything beyond 30 meters was black. My fur tingled and gut twitched. Something was approaching. Crunch. A twig broke. A loud thud. I sprinted all the way home, all thirty minutes, not stopping until the door was slammed shut and locked behind me. Mom jumped up from our little kitchen table, rattled. Her brown eyes were wide with startled fear, bordering on anger, her wiry body tense. Bent over, panting, hands on my knees, I let out a deep breath. Another. My heart was exploding in my chest, lungs about to burst. What was I thinking? Alone at night? Bleary-eyed, his dark hair disheveled, my brother Vince opened the flimsy door of our joint sleeping room, careful not to wake Ellie. What happened to you? He choked like always to hide his unease as he shifted from side to side. You see a ghost or a cop? Is everything okay, baby? Worry lines creased Mom's normally confident face at the mention of the corrupt police force. She wrapped the ratty light blue bathrobe tighter and crossed the makeshift living room in an instant. Did you find... Bruce is dead, I burst out. Something killed him. Hold on, what happened? Her eyes narrowed as her furry face darkened. Are you okay? Where's the dog? I told you, he's dead. Jeez, I was shaking. Covered in goosebumps, I replayed the scene in my head. For once, my fur wasn't warm enough. In the forest, whatever it was, ripped his leg clean off and sliced open his side. Six claw marks. Six. My God. She covered her mouth, and her claws shot out involuntarily. A raw animal fear I'd never seen flickered across her face as she threw her arms around me. Are you okay, baby? No, not even close. Awesome! Vince flashed his fangs and put his arm around me. Did you see? Shut up, Vince! Mom barked. Go back to bed. No, on second thought, go to Mr. C. Tell him what happened. Put on your jacket and bring your wristband. Ping me when you get there. He grumbled, scratching his tough guy beard as he slumped away. Now, Rick, tell me everything. After I'd finished, Mom sighed. I couldn't believe she'd stayed quiet the entire time. That was a bad sign. It also meant she believed me, which was good. I got mixed up in stuff a lot, even once with a pair of emulate elites, damned immortals, after she'd pulled me from soccer to focus on school. She didn't always believe me, didn't realize I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Ten minutes later, the door flew open. It was Vince. Mr. C on his heels, his wiry body rigid. Here we go. Where's Bruce? 
What happened? Even in a thick black jacket and denims, Mr. C looked cold, scared, and angry, his hair rumpled, emerald eyes flashing. Rake! Rake was telling me what happened, Raj, Mom said hands on her bony hips. Sounds like Bruce was attacked. The odd-shaped, flaky skin scales along Mr. C's neck flashed burnt crimson, then back to normal. You'd miss it if you blinked, but I'd seen it. I was positive. My stomach tightened. This was all my fault. If I hadn't jumped the fence... I'm so sorry, Mr. C, I sputtered. I was too scared to carry him back. I... It was dark. There was blood everywhere. It's okay, Rake, he gritted his teeth. You did the right thing. I'd never risk a boy's life for a mutt. Your brother tells me there were claw marks. Six of them. Are you sure? I flinched. Of course I'm sure. I can take you back there if you want. Do you think it's... Shh. Let's not speculate until we know more. He gave me a serious look that stopped me dead. Wouldn't want to start a panic. I'll be back at first light. You, Rake, and you, Vince... He looked at us, and his face hardened. I'm gonna need your help. Rake has some of the sharpest eyes and ears in town. I'll grab Merrick and his son, Roderick, in case there's trouble. They're bearish boys, brutes in a fight. Made sense he'd bring his resistance buddy. It took a special breed to stand up to the vicious Global Democratic Republic, or GDR as we like to call the BS World Government. We'd had two executed in town almost a year to the day. With that, he said goodnight and headed out. Sleep? How could anyone think of sleep at a time like this? Vince and I were wired and stayed up late. Hushed whispers and dark tales. Chapter 2. Adventure Bam! 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 What was that? Had the elites decided to eradicate us at last? I launched from bed, sneaking a glance in the living room. Vince looked up from the couch, laughing. <laughs> Kivo's an idiot. Stupid junkie plugged in the neuroweb and forgot to activate his sound fields. At least there were only a few worthless VR users in town. Calm down, Rake. It was a dream. From the other room, Vince laughed again. Typical Vince, always relaxed and joking. Why couldn't I be more like that? Instead, here I was, terrified, close to pissing myself and we hadn't even left. A knock. Mr. C opened the door and let himself in. He wore a rugged brown jacket and hand-me-down denims, a massive hunting knife on his hip, and along his back, a thirty cal. A rubbed raw blade was tucked into his black hiking boots. A second later, Mr. Ilt and Roderick stepped through the doorway. Both wore leather vests over their thick, bearish fur, massive handmade crossbows over their shoulders, and a pistol at each hip. Mr. Ilt had a machete as well. Dang! Should have gotten ready earlier. Mr. Ilt's right arm was bare from the forearm down, a tiny seam below his elbow. It was a prosthetic, a good one, too. How the heck could he afford that? One second! Vince checked himself in our one mirror and shoved things into a bag. Mom and Ellie came out of our one bedroom, making things even more crowded. Morning, Preda, Mr. C said with a smile. Didn't mean to wake you. It's fine, Raj. Wanted to see the boys off. She looked at us, her face cast in iron, and subjected Vince and I to the stare. 
You two take care of each other and listen to what Raj and Mr. Ilt say. Her eyes burned my forehead till I looked down. They are in charge. No exceptions. I'll see you boys home for supper and be careful. She pulled us close, hugging each in turn. You never know what could happen, she added with an uncharacteristic apprehension. We escaped the cramped house, and before I knew it, we reached the edge of the woods and drew our weapons. Everyone turned to me, and Mr. Ilt said, Lead the way, Rake! Give me a chance to get my bearings. I sniffed, staring at the trees. It was a lot different during the day, and the forest must be dozens of square kilometers. My nose wasn't that good, but I couldn't let them down. Why was this so... Wait! I recognized this stump. I tripped on it last night. Closing my eyes, I turned. Here, this way! I flew down the path before someone yelled and had to pause to let the others catch up. An hour later, we walked into the still clearing. This is it, I whispered as if my voice might bring the beast back. But where was Bruce? Running to the spot where he had lain, I sniffed. What happened? He was here. See the blood on the grass? Mr. C and Mr. Ilt tiptoed over and knelt beside me. Bastard came back, I guess, Mr. C said, eyes clouded, face drawn. From off to the side, Roderick said, There's something over here. Looks like drag marks. Sure enough, specks of crimson littered the ground. The grass flattened in the most unnatural way. The huge dog had been dragged. What could do that? Mr. Ilt patted his son's shoulder. Boys! Stay sharp. It might be nearby. We all froze, our eyes flickering to the foreboding trees. Was it out there? I don't hear anything, I said more to myself than anyone else. Everyone knew my ears were some of the best in town and didn't comment as I led on. Thirty minutes later, we found the body, the rotting scent growing stronger and more sickening with every step. We cleared the undergrowth and saw Bruce what was left of him, at least. Everyone recoiled and Mr. C let out a gasp, his face contorting. It was awful. Half the hindquarters and a large portion of the torso were gone. Flies buzzed everywhere, making it impossible to think straight. No one dared mention the six claw marks. For once, my nose let me down. We couldn't find a trail. No footprints, no sense, nada. After a while, Mr. Ilt said we should head home. Roderick tried to protest, but his dad said, Some battles aren't worth fighting. Besides, there's enough pain and suffering for us animals as it is. No point getting killed out here and making things easier for the elites. He gave Mr. C a knowing look. Mr. C nodded. We may not have a vote, but we have the numbers. One day things will be better. His voice trailed off. A distant, sad look in his eyes I'd seen many times before, one all animotes knew too well. Frustration, sadness, a scarce hope. Heading back, my mind wandered. It had been like this since the experiments. At least that's what people said. In those days, humanity was united, not as a civilization, but as a species at least. All the races could even breed together. I couldn't wrap my head around that. Something made me jump, and I clutched my knife. It had been Grandpa's before the drunken, senetic cyborgs blasted him. He died a few years back. 
a rough patch between animotes and the GDR. I was too little to remember him. Before I knew it, we were home. The door opened and Mom's voice jolted me. Rake, are you okay, baby? You're shaking. Her strong arms enveloped me in a warm, better-than-anything embrace. It's okay. You're home now. You're safe, she added, her voice soft and soothing. Can I get you some cocoa? Vince, what happened? We're fine, Mom. Rake's shaken up, that's all. We found Bruce. The beast got him again. Rake was right. Six claw marks. Vince let that sink in. I'm fine, Mom. I wasn't, but had to be a man and put on a brave face, collapsing on the grungy blue couch in the corner. I was thinking about Grandpa. Mom's eyes narrowed. Your Grandpa was a brave man and a fool. He stood up for what he believed in, but he never should have gotten involved. She shook her head. He was always trying to fix the world, but sometimes, baby, you can't. You boys remember that. Keep your heads down. Don't cause trouble. Her eyes bore into me. I lost my daddy already, and your father disappeared too. We have a good life here. I worked hard to give you kids a good life. Don't you dare throw that away. We know, Mom, we answered in unison, rolling our eyes as she looked away. We'd heard this speech a million times. Most town kids had. The GDR was notorious for its extreme punishment. Dissent was discouraged at all costs. Rebellions were bad for business, especially for enhancers and cinetics. Emulets were less worried. When you lived forever and could change bodies, nothing mattered. They'd win either way and profit regardless what happened. But cinetics and enhancers didn't have that luxury, hence the rivalry. Mom saddled me with dinner duty and I hated cooking. It smelled like meatloaf. Always, meatloaf? Be glad we have any meat this month, she said. They raised land rents again. The kids at the center would kill for meat, even loaf. That was the worst part about Mom's job. Not long hours or low pay, but always hearing about the animo kids at the center. You should be thankful. Always some variation of that. At school the next day, Vince and I were rock stars. Everyone stared as we passed. Even teachers talked behind our backs. They must have heard what happened. I hated the attention, but Vince was in his glory. I heard him recounting what happened at least three times. The guys clung to his every word, groaning and wincing and high-fiving at the gory details while girls shrieked. One girl actually squealed. Piggish, of course. A bit plump with light pink skin and a snout of a nose. Rumor was she had a tail, but I'd never seen it. Probably a rumor. My band buzzed as I got into class. It was GDR-issued, made for school and monitoring. All of ours were. We could never afford them otherwise. The teachers used them to measure engagement, tracking heart rate, blood pressure, movement, stress levels, all our basic biomarkers to see how lessons affected us. Professor Fitz sat folding his tall athletic body into the mass-produced chair. Did you finish your assignments? He set the tiny black briefcase on the cheap linoleum and leaned back, an amused look on his striped face as his silver eyes surveyed us with a warm smile. Bring them to my desk and I'll pick two of you to present. 
That was the one annoying thing about Professor Fitz. He liked paper copies for some reason. Printing was a pain. Who used paper? I walked to the front, carrying my printout, and hurried back to my seat. Don't be me, don't be me. Rake, will you go first? Really? I shuffled back to the front of the 40-student room, stomach doing flips as I fought to stay calm. Pointing to my project, I waved my wrist towards the floating screen by the wall. My band registered, and my project appeared. They were all looking at me. I stared at the ground. I decided to research the first space micro-colony, Armstrong 1. I flicked my finger and a grainy hologram appeared alongside the floating screen. The colony was designed to test a human's ability to live in small-scale structures outside Earth's orbit for five years. The astronauts needed to be self-sufficient, restocking every six months. What next? I wrung my hands before remembering and flicking my wrist. Phew! Newspaper reports from November 5th, 2032 appeared. Scientists create the perfect drug, end aging at last. We all knew what happened next. Another flick, the next paper, early 2033. Mysterious disease disseminating Europe, Asia, and North America. Six months after that, New York Times final edition, stay safe, good luck. Another flick. Mass graves, carts of emaciated, hollow-eyed bodies. Then war and famine. Back to the Armstrong One. Things went better after that until I looked up. Everyone was quiet, listening for once. Crap! Why'd I look? It was going so well. Deep breath. Thanks to the stability of the GDR and economic growth the last few decades, we're nearing a point where humanity might once again consider the stars. Well, not animotes, I added before anyone laughed, but for cinetics, emulets, and maybe even enhancers. And I, for one, hope to one day see the stars, to live in a place where we're equal and free. Maybe space is that place. Um, the end. I turned to Professor Fitz, holding my breath. He was smiling to himself. Let's give Rake a hand, everyone. Good job, Rake. Thanks for sharing. And, oh... Wait, we're out of time. You're dismissed. Remember, one of you will have to present tomorrow, so be prepared. My band buzzed. Time for manufacturing. Mrs. Olip's class never held my attention, and before I knew it, my wrist buzzed. Time for lunch. As long as she didn't check today's biomarkers, didn't need the importance of good grades and a safe factory job speech again. Mom didn't have much schooling, Times were even tougher, and she needed to help put food on the table. Speaking of... Wow, I was hungry. On the way, I bumped into Taurus. I hadn't seen him since he'd bailed yesterday. He elbowed me. Man, tell me what happened. Everyone's talking about it. That's Taurus for you, rabbitish in general, direct and to the point. Guess that's the rabbit in him, like the big ears. They're saying you saw the six-clawed beast he whispered. They're saying it's a multi-species splice, a bear, a wolf, and a tiger, a genetic freak. He spoke faster and faster, brown eyes burning with a need to know. The rumor mill was crazier than I'd thought. I tried to downplay it, but he asked again. I nodded. He smacked the table and smiled. I knew it! Shh! Don't go telling everyone, I said in a hushed voice as we sat at our usual table the wooden clunker in the corner with our initials carved into the center. 
Mikey had chosen it years ago, and we'd never deviated. Mr. C and Mr. L don't want to cause a panic. Where were Mikey and Pavel? I scanned the cafeteria, if you could call it that, the makeshift thermal tarp-covered area, the most the school could afford. Nothing. The usual? I asked as he pulled out a small recycled bio box, eager to change the topic. He nodded and popped the top, dipping a cucumber into the guac. Ugh, I'd go crazy with just veggies. Across from us, Ellie was sitting with Vovi, as usual. Vovi's little sister, Marie, walked towards them and I chuckled. We were talking about the weekend when Pavel and Mikey appeared. The two, a funny pair, as always, Mikey's long blonde mane and solid physique next to tiny Pavel, whose big eyes never missed a thing. Is it true? Mikey asked before he'd even sat. Come on, Rake, spill! Sort of. I told them everything. At the end, they were all riled. You guys hear the news? Taurus asked without warning. What news? My ears perked up. Emulets gained the upper hand in the lower government. Polls are in. Webb's saying that they'll outrank the Synetics 60 to 40 next term. Dad was watching the WNN last night. Pavel's round eyes narrowed to slits. So what? Sure, things might change in the cities, new policies and all, but out here, you think they care? We can't vote. Think anything will change? He shook his head. Besides, board's three to two for the amulets. That's where the real power is. By the way, did you guys finish the housing project? I need help with... The alarm sounded. Thanks for listening to the first two chapters. I hope you guys liked it, enjoyed it, and even though it is a little different as an audiobook, I'd love if you'd grab the ebook as well. You can get it at mattwardwrites.com free. That'll redirect you to Amazon. And again, for those first two days, the book will be free for you. Again, that's mattwardwrites.com free. Exactly how it sounds. mattwardwrites.com free. Now, go have an awesome day. If you want to say thanks for the podcast, grab the book. And either way... Carpe diem, and try not to get sick. We got a bio plague in the book, and apparently one happened in here. Cheers.